This podcast is sponsored by Monarch Money. Are you saving to reach your financial goals? Reaching those goals isn't just about getting more money, but by managing what you have. And the best way to manage your money? Monarch Money. Monarch Money is a new kind of finance app that's intuitive, powerful, ad-free, and takes the headaches out of budgeting. Try it free when you go to monarchmoney.com slash podcast. Monarch puts all your accounts, investments, transactions, and finances at your fingertips. With a complete view of your finances, you'll gain insights on your spending and find new ways to save. Plus, Monarch lets you customize your dashboard, collaborate with your partner, set custom budgets and goals, and track your progress toward them. See why Mint users are turning to Monarch Money and loving it, and why the Wall Street Journal named Monarch Money the best budgeting app overall. Get a 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash podcast. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H money.com slash podcast for your free trial. monarchmoney.com slash podcast. From the city that never sleeps. 17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez. America's favorite late night talk program. Featuring interesting guests from around the world. And calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. Happy to be back with you guys this Monday evening. Our telephone number, if you want to join the conversation, feel free, 866-505-4626. That's our legacy line, always available. And, of course, um, the hotline, 833-4-VALDEZ, 833-482-5337. So I wanted to uh, get into a bunch of things. We're going to talk about censorship. Uh, there's some lawsuits against the federal government uh, regarding censorship. Uh, we also have uh, plenty of things to discuss. But uh, right now at the top, I wanted to talk a little bit about what's going on with uh, the, these crazies, right? These crazies in Washington, they're always up to something. And what's interesting here is there is... There seems to be a lot of uh, discussion about the border, right? Uh, we've got the border, and with the there's some negotiations going on right now, right in Washington D.C. You've got uh, the Hispanic uh, Caucus, right? The Congressional Hispanic Caucus. They've been up in arms about what is going on with the with the border. Now you would think. They're up in arms about the same thing that you and I are up in arms about? No, that's not it at all. <laughs> not in the least. No, they're, they're upset. They're saying absolutely not that they feel that Biden may have signaled that he's going to cave and that he's actually going to uh, allow the Republicans um, some leeway here, you know, tell the Democrats to kind of work with them to come up with a solution because we might have to go to some Trump policies in order to secure the border. It's out of control, right? I think we've hit 10,000 a day last week or the week before, and it hasn't relented. So how do, how do we get here? How do we handle this? Well, uh, the Congressional Hispanic Caucus, they're pushing Biden now uh, because they want a meeting as he's having, you know, as the Democrats are trying to reach um, 
some consensus here in meetings with uh, Republicans. Fascinating stuff. Absolutely fascinating stuff. Um, because, again, while it sounds like business as usual, politics, I think typically politics always kind of ends up in the place where you do what, what makes sense for you politically. And that's what most of these politicians, I think, are ultimately doing. They're saying, look, I, I, I believe in this, but ultimately we need to make sure that um, we get reelected and that this stuff is good for us. So I think that's what any good politician does. But that's not exactly what's going on right now. That These guys in the Congressional Hispanic Caucus seem to be going against their better interests. Uh, you've seen Hispanic Democrats in southern Texas, uh, Henry Cuellar and others um, uh, in that, that area of the world, down there, McAllen, Brownsville, and whatnot, uh, and, and others that um, they've said, look, we don't care what party people are with here. People are hurting. You've got, you've got this massive underground railroad of uh, people being smuggled right into the United States. So this is a big deal. And, of course, all the Democrats can do ever is uh, just sit there and, you know, they compare Trump to Mussolini and Pinochet. And they'll say that, you know, they, he wants to plunder the entire planet, demonizing immigrants, saying that, you know, you leave it to the people on the left, the people in the media or, or the combination thereof, like uh, Anna Cabrera. Uh, who, who was saying these things. And it's just, it's fascinating um, to, to see people really just go off the deep end when they say these things about Trump or Republicans uh, talking about uh, immigration, because it's, this is not, this is not about demonizing people. This is about doing what is right for the people of the United States, for you and me, we the people. Listen to this. Going back to how he used his or explained his comments, the dictator on day one, he says because he wants a wall, he wants to drill, drill, drill. What do you make of his focus on those issues specifically? It's pretty sad that his policy is at the time of the climate crisis, that his policy is plundering the earth. That's what he's advertising he wants to do, uh, plunder the earth and demonize uh, immigrants. But we know from I know from my studies uh, of authoritarianism, uh, successful leaders always have to have uh, powerful partners. Uh, and those would be the people in the fossil fuel industry, which he privileged in his first administration, and all those who uh, are, are eager to have an enemy, and that's always immigrants. In fact, keeping immigrants out and talking about you, you need national security measures and repression because immigrants are flooding across the border has been used by everyone from Mussolini to Pinochet in Chile up to Trump. This is an old playbook. It's an old playbook. It's literally happening. And I saw a clip of Biden on, on uh, Instagram. That's my go-to scroller of choice, honestly. There's always so many good videos on there. And it was a video of Joe Biden saying, you know, in, in 2020 or what, 2017, or it was about 10 years ago. So maybe it was 2027 he was referring to. I forget the year. But he was saying, you know, some year, year X, whatever that year is, um, White European, white European stock is going to be a minority. And he seemed like he was, A, concerned in one sentence, and then by the end of that sentence, he was like, it's not a bad thing, folks. It's not a bad thing. Listen, I, I, don't, I, I don't think it's a bad thing or a good thing. Um, I, I don't 
I'm not rooting for Hispanics to be the majority in this country. And I'm not rooting for whites to be the majority in this country. I'm not rooting, what is, is, and that's what it'll be, right? I don't have a, um, a, a, a preference on anything. I really don't. Uh, but, but he seemed to, right? He, he was kind of uh, hoping that that would be the case, that, you know, you got Asian, uh, Latino, and uh, other communities that are growing, and he seemed really happy about this. And again, I don't think one should be happy or sad. That's not my uh, perspective here. My, my point here is uh, it, he seemed thrilled to be putting an end to the, the white majority. And the only thing I could think of is why would one be thrilled? What, what, what is the obsession with that? I mean, it makes sense to me that there's more white people in this country than anybody else since, I don't know, it's a bunch of white guys that defected from the crown and started it right if if somebody told me you know there's there's a lot more puerto ricans on the island of puerto rico than than anybody else it's, yeah, that makes sense to me too right and of course there's always these arguments about stolen land and the indigenous tribes etc cetera, etc cetera. i get it uh, but i'm also very practical i'm also pragmatic i'm also a realist I, I i think things are what they are anyway so the congressional hispanic caucus they are on top of uh of the team Biden trying to get them to um, to bend here because they their fear is that Biden is going to cave to GOP demands on on the border talks. And they should. I really hope that in order to get Ukraine aid, in order to get uh, aid for Israel, in order to get anything done that they've they're going to have to say, we legitimately have to shut down this border. Point blank. No more 10,000 people a day. No more armies of men from Angola, Africa. No more armies of men from China. No more armies of men from the Middle East or wherever else. You got to see the videos that I see. Uh, I mean, it's just uh, it's quite alarming. Where are all these people going? Again, it's not. It, this is not a family leaving a war-torn um, country. They're not fleeing the Sandinistas. It, it's not everybody's argument about we destroyed the Northern Triangle and now they're coming back. It's not that at all. It just isn't. These are battalions and, and, and platoons of men that are coming here for something, and I don't know what. It's alarming to me. Anyway, we're going to talk about federal censorship. We also have uh, Jack Smith. He's made a request uh, to the uh, Supreme Court, or is calling on the Supreme Court, to rule on Trump's immunity claim. I wonder how that's going to end up. We're going to talk about what's going on in the world of the law straight ahead. I don't want you to miss it, so keep it locked right here. I am Rich Valdez. This is America night with rich valdez Well, thank you, Rich, and thank you for everything. I know you very well, and I have I listen, but I have a lot of people that listen, and they love your show, and I appreciate it very much. America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, so special counsel Jack Smith, he's called on the Supreme Court to rule on Trump's immunity claim, um, asking for an expedited decision on whether Trump's absolutely immune. Now, this to me comes as surprising for me, again, uh, as a observer, you know, on the outside of things that, that is not a, uh, a lawyer and just reading the, the tea leaves. Uh, I would think that Jack Smith wouldn't want them to do that at this particular point in time because 
maybe there's a possibility you might say, sure, he's right, unless he's super confident that that's the case. Um, I don't know. Has he had a change of heart? Or maybe there's something ulterior to it. Um, but um, he's, he's asking uh, for the appeals court to, you know, to, for that whole process to be expedited. And I think it's, it's an interesting thing, right, for a guy who's an expert at losing cases that are overcharged. So I don't know, maybe I'm reading it wrong and maybe I'm asking the wrong questions, but I want to uh, bring in our guest uh, because while I may not know what's going on here, there are plenty of people out there that do know what's going on much smarter than me. And one of them is Margot Cleveland. Now you guys know her um, as, um, as a contributor at the Federalist, but she's an attorney and uh, she's representing a case right now that involves uh, the, Federalist and the um, Daily Wire. And she's with the new Civil Liberties Alliance because of this um, censorship case. And we've got a couple of segments to discuss that, so we'll get to it. But Professor Margot Cleveland, welcome back. What's your thought on this uh, special counsel, Jack Smith, calling on the Supreme Court regarding Trump's immunity claim? I actually don't think it is that strange of a situation. Occasionally, you will have lawyers who, and it's usually a government lawyer, who will try to jump over the Court of Appeals because it is a very important question, which it is here. And he is probably trying to just expedite this. He is likely very comfortable in the answer, but at the same time, if the Supreme Court says, no, you're wrong, then at least the case is over and he hasn't gone through and basically interfered in the election and then have that come back and thrown at him. So it, it doesn't really surprise me whether the Supreme Court decides to take the issue or not. I would say that's probably a 50-50 bet because they don't want, the, this, the justices are not going to want to subject someone to a trial in these very rare circumstances. So this isn't something that's going to come up again. So it wouldn't surprise me if the court takes it and, and, and takes a look at the issue. Huh. That's interesting. That's good to know. Uh, because to me, that sounds like a logical and fair thing to do. Um, and it seems like when it comes to, to Trump, uh, it's rarely logical and rarely fair. Um, so that, that was why I was kind of perplexed by it, thinking, hmm, it doesn't seem like Jack Smith would want to do things the right way and not lose a case when I think it's kind of his M.O. to to kind of bring cases that he knows he's going to lose. But then that's my kind of tainted view of him. Right. Um, but you could also mm-hmm. look at it this way. He doesn't want Trump running the clock out by delaying it in the Court of Appeals so that mm-hmm. it can't be done before the trial. So I'm not saying he's only doing it for a valid reason, but right. I, I see the legitimacy in saying, look, they're going to have to decide this one way or the other. Or if they don't jump in now, they're not going to jump in later. So I'd rather know now what they say and potentially expedite it and make sure that we don't have a delay and we can get the trial, the, the case over. Yeah. And, and again, just a, a question for clarification on my side. So this would be... Um, him saying that he had immunity, um, this is regarding the January 6th case, correct? That is correct. That is correct. Would that legal reasoning um, spill over to Georgia with, with those guys saying, um, um, we talking to Brad Raffensperger and the Georgia election right. officials 
as well. That same no, rationale. No, that that wouldn't that type of um, theory I don't see as falling over there. But Trump um, in that case over there is extremely weak. Well, frankly, I think all of the cases are weak on the merits of it. But um, I, I don't see the same issues apl- uh, applying. Uh, for the immunity in in the Georgia case. All right. Well, thanks for clarifying that, Professor Margot Cleveland. And again, I want to remind everybody that um, you're with you're an attorney with the New Civil Liberties Alliance, and uh, currently representing the Federalist and the Daily Wire on a federal censorship uh, issue. And uh, we have a couple of minutes left in this segment, and of course the the subsequent segments to kind of really uh, take this apart. But the the U.S. State Department, uh, it, it's, uh, it's being alleged that the U.S. State Department is violating the Constitution, by the federal Constitution, by funding technology to silence Americans who are questioning the government. Uh, and that's uh, the, the crux of the lawsuit that you filed. Is that right? Well, it's part of it, but I would say it's much more than just funding. What they actually were doing besides funding was giving access to outside companies to a government platform on which they tested private technology, and then they marketed it to a whole bunch of different tech companies. So the government set up a platform that was designed for .gov and .military folks. They, the government through the State Department then tested over 365 different tools and technologies that different private people had invented that could come up with and devise ways to target and censor speech. They put that technology on this platform. Then they actually had a liaison out in Silicon Valley who would travel and say, hey, come and Test out this technology and see what works for your, quote, needs. In other words, what technology can we get you to adopt to censor speech that you don't like? So the funding was really just a small part of what the government was doing here. They were helping develop. They were marketing. They were promoting. They were really acting as a sales representative for technology that was targeting Americans and segments of the American press. This is our State Department. They are supposed to be limited to foreign affairs. So that's, that is a violation apart from the infringement on the First Amendment rights. All right. So, Professor Margot Cleveland, this is a very sinister scheme. And it seems like all of the, the federal government schemes are very sinister, right, where one thing is meant for one thing. It becomes something else. They somehow involve uh, the private sector and then they end up, you know, censoring and spying. And it's the same M.O. in so many different stories. So I want to um, really unpack that uh, because that's that's remarkable, right? Uh, funding this stuff for technology that was intended for the government then gets twisted and turned and, and kind of auctioned off to, to the highest bidder in, in, in Silicon Valley or wherever you want to go. And voila, here we have exactly what they wanted. It, it's very similar to what happened in the Twitter files. It's very similar to, to every time the government seems to want to spy. They can't do the spying, but they find somebody that can do the spying and they can buy the information. I mean, it's just crazy to me that this is allowed to happen and that there aren't laws to prevent this type of thing. So folks, stick with us. We are on with Professor Margot Cleveland. 
Uh, she is um, an attorney with the New Civil Liberties Alliance, representing the Federalist and a Daily Wire in this um, federal censorship uh, case. Don't go anywhere. I am Rich Valdez coming right back. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. America, welcome back. We're discussing how the United States State Department uh, is being accused of violating the U.S. Constitution by funding and perhaps more uh, type of technology where they can silence Americans who are questioning the government. And uh, this lawsuit was brought by none other than the New Civil Liberties Alliance with uh, Margot Cleveland. Uh, she's a law professor. She's been a uh, um, uh, a contributor with the Federalist and uh, representing Daily Wire in this case as well. Margot Cleveland, um, you were explaining uh, right before we left exactly what was going on. And I want to pick up where you left off because um, I find it just, again, you know, I guess disappointing, uh, not surprising, but very disappointing that the government would kind of go to these lengths uh, to kind of um, skirt the the system and the law, the, the Constitution to, to get what they want. Absolutely. And and here, our lawsuit is only against the State Department and the officials that were behind this and, and suing them in their official capacity. There actually are so many other parts of the federal government that are involved and in working with the State Department. But that is not what our focus is in, in this litigation. And it, it really is very complicated. So, um, I want to try to break it down a little bit so that it's it's not too overwhelming. So the first thing to keep in mind is the State Department, by its congressional grant of authority, only is supposed to be doing things with foreign affairs. Well, one thing that they do with foreign affairs is they try to work with foreign governments to drive, you know, the American message in other countries. But what they started doing probably around 2016 is they, they had a group within the State Department called the Global Engagement Center. And they started originally looking at social media to counter Islamic terrorism, um, Al-Qaeda, and, and the, the follow-up terrorist organizations. But then it started to kind of morph into anything that the State Department officials thought was harmful to American interests. And they, it really is very much like what we saw with the Twitter files where you had government officials reaching out and trying to silence speech. And things such as COVID, things about the election, the Hunter Biden laptop – 
But the difference here in, in this litigation, the charge against the State Department is not that they're trying to silence certain speech. It's rather that they are funding, testing, promoting, giving access to government technology and the government platform to outsiders who have the technology that can be used to, to censor speech. And in some ways, this is more nefarious because the government's the most saying, come on in secretly and helping them figure out how to do things. And then it's unleashing them on the country. And that, at that point, the government's going to say, oh, it's not us. It's not what we're doing. It's these outside people, even though the government had everything to do with it. Unbelievable. So now that you're, you're bringing the case, what type of relief are you seeking from the government? So we're seeking an injunction and declaratory relief. So the, the, our clients, the Daily Wire and the Federalists, they are not seeking any money damages. They just want this to stop. They want the State Department to stop using tax dollars to promote censorship, to help build up this technology that can be then unleashed on the Americans in the media and in the marketplace. So the declaratory judgment is where a court says what you're doing is illegal. This violates the Constitution. It violates the right to free speech. It violates the right to freedom of the press. And you, State Department, have no authority to do this. And then the injunction is an order where it tells the, the State Department it cannot do this any longer, that they must stop this extra constitutional conduct. Makes sense to me. Folks, we continue with Margot Cleveland straight ahead. Uh, we're hearing about how she's uh, breaking down this case. So it's really just really interesting stuff, uh, I think. But for hearing a, a case like this being brought, many of us would have no idea that this is what's going on in the United States State Department and how, um, at large, how the federal government behaves in these different departments. So um, stick with us. We're coming right back with Margot Cleveland. She's an attorney with the new Civil Liberties Alliance, and uh, we're discussing her case where she's representing the Federalist and the Daily Wire. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. All right, amigos, welcome back, familia. We're discussing this lawsuit that's been brought by the New Civil Liberties Alliance, and the attorney on the case is Margot Cleveland. You know her from the Federalist, but now she's representing the Federalist and the Daily Wire uh, because the State Department uh, has been peddling different types of technology to assist in the censorship of Americans. 
and the state of Texas has now been brought into this lawsuit. So, Professor, uh, before we wrap, I want you to let us know how is Texas involved and what type of uh, tech are they peddling here? Sure. So uh, Texas is a fellow plaintiff, so they are being represented by attorneys through the Attorney General's office. Ken Paxton out of Texas is doing some amazing work to go against those who are violating the Constitution or their authority. And and Texas is, as I said, a plaintiff, and they're, they're challenging the State Department's actions, saying the State Department just has no right to be doing any of this, and that it interferes with Texas's interest in enforcing its law that requires tech companies, if they're of a big enough size, to act as a common carrier and not discriminate. So Texas has its own very special interest in here, and and we're thrilled that they are joining in this fight to stop the State Department from acting ultra-virus or without the authority that that they only have authority to act in foreign affairs. Um, So the other thing that I think is really fascinating here is, as I mentioned, there are over 365 Mm -hmm. technologies that the State Department tested. It is. It is. And they cover everything from artificial intelligence where they and machine learning, where they have technology that basically tracks everything people are talking about to try to figure out what topics are starting to trend. And the State Department and the government officials, if it's something that they don't like, maybe something about the Ukraine war, and they want to kind of squash that, then they've got other technology that they can use to try to silence segments or to counter and put out different types of speech that maybe counter the speech that's developing. But there are two that are specifically affecting the Federalist in the Daily Wire. One is called NewsGuard, and one is called the Global Disinformation Index. And what those organizations do, one's for-profit and one is non-profit, is they create blacklists. And then advertisers use those to decide what, what, what pages that they will run ads on. And both the Daily Wire and the Federalist are ranked as uh, in the top 10 risky news outlets by the Global Disinformation Index. And NewsGuard rates them both as unreliable. So what that does is it drives advertisers away from those outlets. But we're not, my clients are not going after those media, those media rating companies that they're coming up with their own way of saying who's risky and who's not. But the State Department, for what the State Department did, which was funded those organizations, put their technology on a government platform, helped them run tests with it, brought in other tech companies to learn about it, promoted them on their Twitter page. So it's what the government was doing to make these outside blacklists gain steam, gain momentum, and it's, it's just outrageous. 
It's, it's absolutely outrageous. <laughs> I mean, just the names of these news guard. Uh, it, it, it just sounds, uh, it, it just reeks of, of, I don't know, like of a fascistic government agency, or in this case, a pseudo quasi government agency that's going around the back door. Absolutely. Uh, I, I understand that you guys are, you know, doing great work in trying to stop this, this instance, but what assurance does, you know, a regular person like me or the rest of the people listening uh, what assurance can we have that something like this isn't going to happen again and they're not going to keep sprouting up like a game of whack-a-mole of new programs and other departments of government that are going to be designed to, um, you know, protect us from misinformation? Right. Well, the, the New Civil Liberties Alliance actually has three different cases going on. So they actually represent plaintiffs in the Missouri versus Biden case that's before the Supreme Court. And hopefully that's going to, you know, put the brakes on some of this. And there are lots of different federal agencies that are involved in that case. So that that's going to be helpful. But some of these um, social media companies are getting, you know, hauled in under, as I mentioned, Texas has a, a law that is requiring them to act as common carriers. So the, the, the short answer is it's going to be whack-a-mole for a while, but I think that the tide is turning because Americans have seen how devastating it is, especially in the context of what happened with COVID. Wow. I, I tell you, that, that is, um, <clears throat> COVID has done such a number on the American psyche uh, and allowing things like this to kind of just go unnoticed in many ways. So I'm grateful for the work that you're doing. And um, Margot Cleveland, let everybody know if they want to kind of stay up to speed with what's going on with your case and the work that you're doing, uh, how do they follow you? How do they keep in touch with this case? Sure. So they can go to the New Civil Liberties webpage, which is nclalegal.org. And they can, you know, take a look there. There's several different cases that are really um, trying to take on the censorship complex. And I'm also over at Twitter at Prof. MJ Cleveland. So P-R-O-F. MJ Cleveland. And I, I try to do updates there as well. Amen to that. Uh, well, Professor Margot Cleveland, I want to thank you for, A, the work that you're doing here. Um, it's definitely not something I could have done. And I think there's a lot of Americans that are grateful for what you're doing. And B, um, for being on the show and breaking it down. You, you hear headlines, you read things across your screen, uh, but it, you don't always have a, a full sense of how sinister this stuff really is. So, again, m- um, much appreciated. Great. Thanks so much. You bet. All right, folks, we will continue uh, with um, your calls and the rest of our topics when we return to phone number 833-482-5337, 833-4VALDEZ. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S.
S. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDES. That's Valdez with an S. You know, with lax Republican gun laws across the country, we've got to take very seriously anybody who's making any kind of violent threats, especially genocidal threats. Having said that, uh, where does Elise Stefanik get off lecturing anybody about anti-Semitism when she's the hugest supporter of Donald Trump who traffics in anti-Semitism all the time? She didn't utter a peep of protest when he had Kanye West and Nick Fuentes over for dinner. Nick Fuentes, who doubts whether October 7th even took place because he thinks it was some kind of suspicious propaganda move by the Israelis. And the the Republican Party is filled with people who are entangled with anti-Semitism like that, and yet somehow she gets on her high horse and lectures a Jewish college president from MIT. All right, so this is the big story here, right? Uh, obviously, this is um, what we're hearing. We're hearing Jamie Raskin. Uh, he's a congressman. I uh, was discussing anti-Semitism on college campuses uh, yesterday, and he was on MSNBC doing that. He's... Um, questioning where um, Republican conference chair Elise Stefanik gets off lecturing um, a Jewish college president, et cetera, et cetera. But I'll tell you where she gets off. There's a lot of people that are upset about uh, Liz McGill uh, and now about uh, Claudine Gay and about so many other college presidents that are just allowing uh, people to just allow this stuff to happen or the flippant uh, commentary that they have when it comes to anti-Semitism. Um, in these hearings. And we had that audio last week with um, Elise Stefanik and, um, and, and Liz McGill, where she came out and uh, she said something about the, you know, about the genocide against Jews. You know, she kind of just glossed over it. And um, let me see if we can find that. That would be great to play. But otherwise, since then, we've got a lot more scholars now are finding dozens of examples of plagiarism by... Harvard president Claudine Gay. Now, and she was the first one to start taking fire a couple of weeks ago with uh, with respect to this because she was doing absolutely nothing, right? It seemed like she was doing absolutely nothing. Then she kind of came out and said, no, no, we can't do this. You know, she a little bit of that too little too late. And, um, and it's this vacillation, right? There's a massive move, just like every other issue. And this is the part that I find interesting. And maybe I don't know how to articulate this, but I do find it very interesting that when there is a societal issue, whether it's a a manufactured event or something organic, it's remarkable to me how every issue now falls uh, almost neatly on party lines, except for this one, right? The anti-Semitism one. And there's this age-old debate um, with with anti-Semitism. There's a lot of people that operate under the premise of I'm not hating the Jews and eliminating their right to exist as a Jewish state. I just take exception to the policies of their government. And when put that way, most people say, well, sure, that's fair. You're not an anti-Semite if you're just criticizing Netanyahu or if you're just criticizing um, the, 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 you know, the Jewish parliament, the, I'm sorry, the Israeli parliament, but oftentimes it's kind of like when people say, um, I'm, I just support an open border. 
But what they really mean is I don't want people from other countries coming to my country. Uh, and, and the reasoning matters, right? It, ma- it matters in so much. I don't want people from other countries coming here either, but not because I don't want America to become browner, not because I don't want to lose um, English as, as our, our, our principal language, even though it's not official. Now, none of those things are my reasoning. I just don't want people from any other place to come here because I don't think we have space. I think we take a million people a year as immigrants uh, legally, and that sounds like enough to me. I don't think that we need to overrun places like New York City. We need to have the subways become hotels for immigrants. We don't, we don't need to give out endless amounts of cash and, and continue to put our country in this type of position. It's a strain on the system. But I've met plenty of people who are very pro-closed border, not for the sake of keeping the country safe, but because they don't want to lose what they perceive is is their their base or you know they call it the browning or the tanning of america so anyway we'll discuss that and a lot more other stuff straight ahead don't go anywhere i'm rich valdez city that never sleeps 17 miles from madison square garden new york city it's america at night with rich valdez america's favorite late night talk program featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across america and now here is your host rich valdez Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. And our telephone number, if you want to join us, feel free. It's Monday night, hour number two of the program, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. Say it again really loud. And I want to get into a couple of different things. Um, This man, the man from Utah, you guys know him as... Senator Mittens Romney. Well, Mitt Romney was on the Sunday shows this weekend, and it was interesting, right? Uh, a, why why is Mitt Romney on? He's, um, I don't know, I think of, of little consequence. Uh, but he was on, let me see which show was here, cut number 12, uh, Meet the Press. He was on Meet the Press, and he says that he doesn't see any evidence that should warrant an impeachment inquiry on Biden. Listen to this. As you know, House Republicans have signaled that they may vote as early as this week on an impeachment inquiry into President Biden, despite the fact that they haven't shown yet a direct link between Hunter Biden's business dealings and President Biden. Have you seen any evidence that President Biden has committed high crimes and misdemeanors? No, I I don't uh, see any evidence of that at all. Uh, I think before you begin an impeachment inquiry, you ought to have some evidence, some inclination uh, that there's been wrongdoing. And so so far, there's nothing of that nature that's been provided. So are you opposed to the impeachment inquiry? 
Well, if I were in the House, I'd vote against it unless they were able to bring forward uh, uh, evidence that suggests that there, there were a high crime or misdemeanor that had been uh, committed. But so far, that hasn't been the case. Look, look fortunately uh, for most people, we're not responsible for the misdeeds of our kids and grandkids and great grandkids. Nothing in my family I'm embarrassed about. But, but uh, President Trump's, excuse me, President Biden's son, Hunter, is obviously been a very unsavory person. And has had some extremely uh, damaging personal uh, uh, foibles, including a drug habit and so forth. Uh, that's not President Biden. And uh, and we're not going to impeach someone because of the sins of their kids. All right. Now, listen, this is again, I, I've been I, before I was on this program, I was on a different program and I was saying the same thing. Then I knew that this would come back to bite us. Regular, normal people are going to hear what Mitt Romney just said. And they're going to go, yeah, of course. Why should we punish Joe Biden? Because his son has a drug addiction. The vast majority of people are compassionate. That's why we have a left in our country. We have a lot of bleeding hearts here. It was never a good idea to, you know, I mean, while it was funny, you know, all the crack pipe memes and all that stuff, that stuff was never going to work. It was never going to work because now it's, it's ammo for guys like Romney. Now, the reality is, there's criminality here, uh, at least uh, alleged or suspected criminality. And we've got to take a look at that. But the first thing I'll say to Senator Mittens Romney is, sir, he said, if I were in the House, I would. Good news is you're not in the House. You're not in the House. And we have to leave it to the folks that are in the House to, to make those determinations. Uh, should we have an impeachment inquiry into Biden when there are uh I don't know, at least a dozen whistleblowers across different uh, agencies, FBI, DHS, you name it, all saying that there was something fishy going on one way or another. Of course you should. You can't let people come out and put their jobs and, and, and livelihoods and even their life in some situations on the line to say, here's what I saw. We saw the uh, the CIA whistleblowers that came out and said, hey, hold on. Um, we were going to tell you in our report that we felt that the idea that um, COVID came from a bat that was sold in a wet market was not something we could corroborate. And we believe that it was a uh, lab leak, even an unintentional one, that came out of uh, the Wuhan Institute of Virology in Wuhan, China. And then they were given uh, certain perks and additional funding and they changed their mind, uh, all but the, the one that came through as a whistleblower. I mean, there's been whistleblowers from uh, across the spectrum of government saying that all sorts of things that happen here are no bueno and Biden's behind all of them. So to suggest that there should not be a, a, an impeachment inquiry. Come on, Mittens. Come on. How about just looking at the border and saying, isn't it your job to keep America safe? Aren't you just allowing this this most massive human smuggling operation on the planet to occur and turning a blind eye to it or facilitating it at worst. Come on mittens. You've got to do better than saying that there's no reason to even have an inquiry into Biden. I think that there's so many uh, alleged incidences of, of criminality or impropriety or, um, working extra constitutionally outside of the scope of, of what he should be doing. There, there's numerous. They're all over. We just keep seeing them. We talk about them every day. I don't see how um, Romney goes there with a straight face. But 
for the idea that that's what they wanted, right? Somebody at uh, CBS or whatever, NBC News, decided, you know what? We need a guest. And we need a guest to say this. So who do we get? Well, we can get Mitt Romney. He'll say anything because he's leaving. Oh, okay, great. <laughs> Let's get Mittens to come in. And he will say that that he thinks uh, nobody should be looking at Joe. What was the purpose of that? Right, really, with everything going on, right, everybody wants to to talk about all the big issues. Right, Christmas is coming. People are spending more than they've spent before. Um, Biden will say that's because they're doing so good. Everybody's doing so great. They're spending more than they've ever spent before. And then, you know, you've got others that'll say, Spending more than they've ever spent before because everything costs a fortune now. Either way, it doesn't look great for a lot of people, right? I, I don't know about you guys. I've bought some of my Christmas gifts. I haven't bought them all. And um, I don't know if you guys have. I haven't bumped into anybody who's gone, oh, my gosh, have the best year ever. Now, I do know some people that, that got a, a raise and a new job and good for them. But it's their own hard work that earned them that. But by and large, I am not typically bumping into people and them saying, oh, my gosh, business is doing so good right now. Man, we're doing really, really good. I mean, I've heard some people say, hey, we're bouncing back from where we were a year ago, from where we were two years ago, um, a little bit, right? I'm, I'm also seeing people saying, no, I'm getting out of the business altogether. It's just we never bounced back. We weren't able to make it, right? The recovery was too slow. Bidenomics didn't work for them. So uh, the whole thing, to me, it, it just seems funny that Mitt Romney would be here talking about should we even be considering an inquiry against Biden? Talk about damage control. Sounds like uh, his old Senate colleague probably reached out to him and said, hey, Mittens, I need you to get out there and run, run some cover for me. They're coming at me hard. And, you know, I think they are coming at him hard. I think the Democrats are coming at him. The, the, the polling organizations are coming at him. The American people are saying, look, I'm really not big on Joe. A lot of people want Trump. People are saying Trump is better on the economy. Trump's better at this. At this point, I'll take the mean tweets, right? Everybody's willing to stomach something now. Uh, I spent the weekend in Palm Beach, and I was talking to a lot of people about a lot of things. And so many people were like, look, look, look. <laughs> I took a, I took a, a ride share um, for a real short ride. And, and uh, the whole ride, that was the conversation. Somebody go, look, I don't know if you like him or you don't like him. This woman was from, I think, from Haiti. <clears throat> and she was uh, the driver. And she's telling me that, that she says, you know, a lot of people don't like this man. But you can't take away from him that he's a good businessman. You can't take away from him that he's, he's done well for himself. And that he did good when he was president in terms of the financial aspect. And they try to clarify, right, or modify everything they're saying. To, uh, to qualify these statements, to, to make sure that they don't come across as saying, look, I like Trump. No, they want to say, I like his policies. I like I liked, uh, the economy. I liked whatever. You know, as long as they can have that, that place to retreat where they go, I don't like the guy, but my wallet did. <laughs> and I just think the whole thing is, uh, is, is just fascinating how we've created a culture where people are just afraid to support the things that are good for them because it's Trump. Remarkable. And now we've got Mittens saying, don't look into Joe Biden. I say Mittens, good riddance. Joe Biden, hopefully we say good riddance to him too. Anyway, folks, we're coming right back with uh, the rest of our program straight ahead. Our phone number, if you want to join the conversation, looking forward to you chiming in on these things. 482, excuse me, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. 
This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. It does look like, like uh, the, the 2024 election will come down to President Biden uh, versus, versus uh, former President Trump. Um, and I'm wondering what you think uh, the world would look like under uh, uh, President Trump uh, being reelected, which is certainly uh, a possibility, not only when it comes to the climate, uh, but also when it comes to democracy. Well, I saw the other day where he pledged to be a dictator on day one, and you kind of wonder uh, what it'll take for people to uh, believe him when he tells us uh, who he is. And, uh, you know, the the solution to political uh, despair is political action. And for those in in the Republican Party and the Democratic Party and independents who love American democracy and who want to preserve our capacity to govern ourselves uh, and solve our problems, now's the time uh, to get active. You know, there's a there's a mental health crisis around the world, Jake, that we hear people talking about. I think that one of the main reasons for that uh, is that young people look uh, at the f fact that we are not yet solving the climate crisis or dealing with some of these other challenges, uh, and we hear this word thrown around, polycrisis. Well, solving the climate crisis is a poly solution. We know what to do. We have the means to do it, and we have to make sure uh, that we make the right political choices in our democracy to enable ourselves to make the right choices. All right. There was a lot there. I, I would have paused it and argued with him, but I wanted him to, to I wanted you to hear all of it. Uh, Al Gore, right? Former Vice President Al Gore on with the Jake Tapper. And the first thing he says is, when are we going to believe Trump when he tells you himself he's going to be a dictator? And again, Trump made some comment about, yeah, 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 I'm going to be a dictator. OK, so listen. If anybody in this country could become a dictator, do you think it could become Trump? Do you think Trump could be the person that would do it? Raise your hand, and not unless you're driving. But raise your hand if you think that Trump would be able to become a dictator. The guy who is literally wall-to-wall -wall coverage on every for everything he does, no matter what he does, they're beating him up for it. We have a constitution. We have courts. We have everything. The guy's got four indictments, 91 felony charges pending, uh, two impeachments, 400 years are being recommended to put him in jail. Do you think that somebody who can't buy and sell a property and pay back his bank and have his bank say, yeah, it was great. Everything was terrific. Um, this man, right, who, who can't buy and sell a property, who can't um, ask uh, a secretary of state where where his votes went, uh, uh, somebody who can't give a speech while he's president 
and suggest that he's dissatisfied with the election. This guy, they think this guy is going to become a dictator just because he says I'm going to be a dictator. I mean, what is wrong with people? Really, what is wrong with people and their ability to think? I mean, it's unbelievable to me. It really is. I think this is what fuels people that support Trump. And and it's really the left. They're, they're just going to push more and more people into that camp. You're going to get more people like that woman uh, who was the cab driver, the uh, ride share driver, who was telling me, look, look, you know, some people don't like. She was trying to defend herself. I didn't say a word to her. <clears throat> I said, yeah, I like Trump. <laughs> and she just kept going. She said, hey, I know a lot of people don't like him or blah, blah, blah. And she felt like she had to, like, you know, create this whole scenario where she was where it was okay for her to like Trump because she made more money when he was president. And again, this, uh, my, my point here is not about Trump per se. My point here is about how Al Gore, the left within the media and, and the left within our government, how they decide to, to just continually take shots at, at Trump, which in, in my opinion is really taking shots at you at your intelligence, at your ability to understand what's going on, to, to read the chessboard, to read your own tea leaves. And that's not good. It's not healthy for the national discourse. It's not healthy for any of us to, to just not participate. I listen. I, I turn on the, uh, the Young Turks every now and again. I try to listen to what the left has to say every day. Why? Because they're saying it and somebody's going to hear it and I need to know what they're saying. And when Minton's Romney or anybody else, Al Gore, they're out there saying you got to believe them. When he says, we've got a mental health crisis and that we need to, uh, to solve it by fixing climate change, of all things. Um, you know, just imagine if I said, look, there's a mental health crisis. If more people listen to the radio, we wouldn't have this mental health. I mean, it's just, it's crazy. Uh, people can't see that happening. Anyway, let's go to Sandy. She's given us a call from WNIR, Akron, Ohio. Sandy, go right ahead. You're on with Rich Valdez quickly. Good evening, Rich. Hey, Rich, based on the information that your host tonight provided for us, in your opinion, do you think there's a chance that we're going to finally get a camera in there in the proceedings for the Trump case? You I know, I, 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 I don't, Sandy. Um, I, I know Trump has asked for cameras. He wanted it to be uh, televised, and they don't want that uh, because, for whatever reason, they don't want it. Um, and I, I get it. Uh, I get they, they, they don't want to have those moments where Alina Haba and the rest of his legal team are ripping them a new one and, and tearing their arguments to shreds. Uh, I think uh, we, we heard from Professor Margot Cleveland earlier, our, our guest, saying that she believes that these cases are extremely weak. They're based on very thin legal theory, and they don't have uh, much of a leg to stand on, especially on appeal. Um, which is why Jack Smith was trying to bypass the appeals court and go straight to the Supreme Court. So, um, and, and, and I get what she's saying now, um, better than I understood it earlier. And I, I think she's probably right. He probably wants to do that so he could bring yet another case, right? So if that one doesn't work and he knows he's not going to get a conviction there, he can bring another case, at least with creating the smoke and mirrors appearance that there might be an, uh, uh, a conviction attached to that. And I think ultimately that's where they are and that's where they they end up. So um, thank you for your call, Sandy, from Akron, Ohio, WNIR. Big shout out to you guys. I don't think we get a camera. And um, we have a couple of folks on hold. We may be able to get to you on the other side of this. I'm not sure if we do or we don't, but stick with me. 
Uh, folks, again, the phone number is 833-482-5337, 833-4VALDES if you want to join the conversation. And as always, if you missed any of our guest interviews, you can always check them out at richvaldesamericatnight.com. That's our website where you can subscribe to the podcast absolutely free. If you have a podcast app, you can download the the, uh, the show right from there. Or you can just play the show and stream it right from that website without having to download anything or subscribe to anything, which is free anyway. So um, send it to a friend, richvaldesamericatnight.com. We're bringing old school talk radio back like nobody else's business. Don't go anywhere, folks. I'm Rich Valdez. And he's breaking it down. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez. Given that you're saying he gives these unfiltered responses, we have actually seen him do what he says he's going to do when he said that he believed the election was the election was going to be rigged before people actually went to the polls. He went on to question the results, tried to overturn the results of the 2020 election. Why don't you take him exactly at his word? Oh, I, I think we agree that we have looked at his behavior and his behavior suggests that this is a person who will impose his will, if he can, uh, on the judicial system, on the legislative branch and on the entire nation. I mean, when he called people to come to Washington, D.C. on January 6th, that was not a random date. That was the date when peaceful transfer of power was to occur. He called that on purpose. I mean, he, there's no question he has authoritarian rulings and, and interests and no, notions which he will try and impose. That's dangerous for the country. It was dangerous then. Life was lost. Uh, we were embarrassed around the world. I mean, it, it, this was a tragedy. And a number of the things he did in the last months of his uh, presidency suggest what he'd do if he were elected again. All right. So there we have again, Mittens Romney, Senator Mittens Romney, uh, the rest of his comments on Meet the Press this Sunday, uh, saying there's uh, no question. Um, there's no question. There's no question that Trump is an authoritarian. And he he's again, he's just he, the Trump is as a bad, bad hombre. He's a very bad man. Very, very bad man. And. Listen. I don't. I don't. Let me see how to phrase this. Who cares, Mitt? Right? Really? Who cares? Right? How many times have I had to take, um, you know, a guy that I didn't like saying he's going to fundamentally change America? And he did it. And he told everybody who he was. Everybody knew who he was. They knew that he'd come from a, a, a radical church in the Chicago area. They knew about his his uh, socialist uh, commie leanings. They knew he wrote two books about it. Whether he wrote them or not, it was out there. You know, it's like somebody saying, oh, Rich Valdez, real middle-of-the-road guy. He's not very to the right. He's not very to the left. I think I've got thousands of hours of, of, of archived radio shows. You want to know who I am? You could listen to them. We knew who Obama was. We know who Trump is. There's no question he has authoritarian rulings and interests and notions which he will try and impose. Really, Mitt Romney? 
What is it that, that Trump can impose? What's he going to do? Open up the border and allow women and children to come and be trafficked in this country? Little kids to come and work in chicken plants in the Midwest where their hands get caught in machines and they nearly die? Or they get amputated because they're here working illegally? What's he going to do? Impose Trumponomics where inflation goes sky high? Oh, wait a second. He's already got a track record on that. 1.25, 1.4. That's what inflation was during Trump. Those are the authoritarian, authoritarian rulings and interests and notions which he will try to impose. Please do, right? I think that's what Americans are looking for. They're looking for these authoritarian rulings and interests that Mitt Romney's talking about to bring down inflation, to make America great again, to make America a little bit better. Maybe they should change the slogan to make America America again, make America just a little bit more uh, doable again, because things are just definitely not doing great. Uh, let's go to Michigan, W-I-L-S, and check in with Jeff. What's going on? You're on with Rich Valdez. Hey, Jeff. Mr. Valdez, long time no speaketh with. Uh, that's Valdez with an S, if you I'm bet. not mistaken. <laughs> right. That's right, sir. I'm calling about uh, uh, Mitch Hominy thing that you just, or not Mitch Hominy. I, I forget it. Mitt, Mitt Romney. Mitt Romney. Mitt right? Romney. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, what, what he was saying right there, if I, if I can... Can I go all conspiratorial on you? Why not? Oh, wait, that's not a word. That's not a word. Uh, that's all right. It's like strategery. We, we accept it. Yeah, okay. So, yeah. Uh, but this is the way I look at it in my mind uh, and the, in the conspiracy theory is that I think maybe uh, uh, Mitt Romney needs a little bit of investigation. Now, if he's a Republican, so-called, he's a rhino, but if he's a Republican and and he's siding with Joe Biden, okay, and it, that that really makes the, the hackles on the back of my head stand up. And the reason I say that, when Hillary Clinton was being investigated— and this is going back a long time for some of your listeners. But if you remember right, she said, if I go down, I'm taking a lot of people with me. Yeah, I don't remember that one. But I do remember her saying, uh, you know, it's a good thing you're not in charge. And he said, if I were in charge, you'd be in jail. <laughs> and <laughs> that was one of the, the, the finer moments in the debate. Uh, but listen, I, I agree with you. I think um, these people, they let people know who they are all the time. And and there's two types, right? I believe this falls um, one of two ways. It falls on one side where you have people that kind of go along with something that's already been created, right? So people will say, oh, yeah, oh, Trump is bad. And, and they will become experts at, at defending this position of Trump is bad. And the same holds true on the right, I guess you could say, of people that will say, oh, Trump is good. Right? People accuse me of that all the time. They're like, is there anything bad that Trump can do? And, and I say, of course there's bad things that Trump can do. I'm, I'm, I'm just not talking about those things. I'm, I'm not voting for Trump to, to be my daughter's babysitter. I'm not voting for Trump to be my priest or my pastor. I'm voting for Trump to be president and to, to do what I expect the president to do. And... I think he he's done a remarkable job and he'll continue to do that given the opportunity and the right team around him because he's got a lot of opposition in the swamp. But ultimately, I say there's two people and there's people that set the agenda and people that follow the agenda and the people that set the agenda. 
I believe they they go along. They they go along with what's going on. And then you have others that are really creating this agenda where, you know, they're really making it up as they go along. And, and that's what we see, I think, uh, a lot on the left, um, in the media, in our government, in academia. People that are just promoting an existing idea and the rest of them are just creating it. Like, what's the next crazy thing we can talk about? And they come up with the next crazy thing and that's exactly what they do. They put it out there and voila. Anyway, folks, we continue with the rest of our program and your calls straight ahead. I see calls are coming in from all over the country. We'll continue to get to your calls as we can. 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. Welcome back. We continue with your calls and more. And straight ahead, I want to get into a little bit of what's going on with uh, the latest in Israel and Hamas. But uh, right now, I want to go to uh, Burlington, Vermont. Check in with our buddy John. He's on WVMT. John, go right ahead. Hey, Rich. Yeah, a couple things before I talk about Donald Trump. I wish you could get some uh, bumper music that would be adequate. And also get rid of that god-awful voice that comes Well, what's wrong with the bumper music we have? What makes it inadequate? It sounds pretty elementary. Uh, I know elementary how? Use some, it, it sounds like a kid playing, some of it sounds like a little kid playing on a toy piano. The one that you just heard? Uh, one, no, not this one, but some of the others. And, uh, and how, does that, so, um, but, how does that make you feel when you hear little kids playing pianos? How does that affect you? Sometimes I have to turn the program off. Yeah, and do you to ever to need Donald, to, like, call a therapist or anything like that? Let's let's get to Donald Trump, okay? No, no, no. I want to know. I mean, you you felt the need to to start with your strongest, right? You came out of the gate saying you didn't like the music. So I, I want to know if maybe I, I can well, make I, a I'm, referral I'm a little, to okay, a therapist little, that can help you. Yeah, I'm a little... We have therapists little, on the show from time to time. Hold on a second. I think I'm talking, right? I, we have therapists on the show sometimes, and you can call in. So maybe we could bring one on, and you could call and say, hey, look, when I'm listening to Rich Valdez, occasionally I feel like my sensibilities are offended because there are juvenile programs. So I'm just curious. Maybe can we help you with that? See, you, you say you want us to call, and then you talk. And oh, I do. Talk. Well, uh, it's can my we, turn can right we get now. To the subject, can we get to the subject? We'll get there when I'm ready, John. I want to know if you'd like me to get you a therapist. I'd like you to play Jimbo's music, okay? Well, I, I can only play as much as I can. That show doesn't exist anymore. 
You can you you can probably your producers. I can t- I can tell you exactly when we play some of that music, uh, what we were allowed to maintain, but th- this show had to have a new identity. So it's not that I don't want to play it; I just can't. Okay, I understand. I'll accept that. All right. Now, what's on your mind? Tell me how uh, Trump right. affects well, yeah, your well, sensibilities. Trump, I can't. Yeah. Uh, you know, when I whenever I criticize Donald Trump, people say, "Oh, you just don't like the guy," and that's probably true. The, the opposite is the case. I think Donald Trump is like a Shakespeare character. Uh, the guy was was as rich as rich could be. He has a penthouse in Manhattan. He's got a big palace down there in Florida. But yet he wasn't satisfied. He needed more. And what he needed was power. And now he is essentially drunk on power. And don't take it from me. Listen to the people who have worked with him in his past administration. Go back and look at his secretary of defense. Go back and see what his national security advisor has said. Go back and look at what his own advisors have said working with the guy. He is totally he was totally out of his element working with the government. He may have been a great real estate agent in New York City, but when it comes to managing the federal government, he's a total disaster. And he's the most Well, when we talk about, I mean, I was following you so far. Hold on, John. You made your point, and I have to ask a follow-up question. You made a point saying that he was out of his element, he was this and he was that, but being out of his element brought our inflation to 1.25, 1.4%. That's way better than it's ever been since Biden's been in office, who is a career politician, spent 50 years in Washington. Uh, so while the media might say that he's out of his element and he, he was I can't say he was a disaster. There was not one new war that started in the four years that Trump was in office. Yet we've got a war with uh, Russia and Ukraine. We've got a war with Hamas and Israel. Uh, we've got lots of threats coming from uh, Iran. They're attacking more than I think almost 60 times now. They've attacked uh, U.S. troops abroad. And we've got uh, China that's, you know, continuously threatening to uh, take over Taiwan. So wouldn't it be fair to say that Biden is a disaster, John? How about inflation? Let's talk about inflation. Okay? How about you answer my question? Why don't no, you, you act had, like you're an educated man and you make a you statement, up, I make a follow-up, and you answer the question? Yeah, no, you, you, I brought, you brought up inflation, and you're, mis, you're Listen, misrepresenting John, the case. I'm not misrepresenting it. I'm using your words. You made some statements. I'm trying to clarify the statements. I've given you a different perspective. And you want to jump to a different topic instead of facing the music on what you said. Lowest inflation rate of any of the developed John, are you deaf or are you just playing dumb? You are totally out of your gourd. I'm out of my gourd? I don't even eat gourds, sir. So you, you, know, you say you want us to call in. Yeah, I said I want you, you to call to and debate with me. Yeah, let's talk about inflation. No, we'll the talk United about States what you just will... talked about, sir. You we... brought something up. I, I called you on it, and now you don't want to answer on it. What, what is your question? Oh, we're going to have to rewind the tape? Instead of sitting there trying to dig yourself out of it, just pay attention to the conversation. I said, isn't Biden a disaster based on everything I just said? Absolutely not. Why not? What's so good about what Biden's okay. done when on the same metrics Trump scored well, aces? Let's talk about the Ukraine, okay? Let's uh, talk Donald about Trump. the fact, there's a simple question that I made to you, John. We're turning it into yeah. the John from Burlington show, and I'm asking a simple question. How could you say that Trump was a disaster when it came to his presidency, when he didn't have new wars, 
when he didn't have uh, the inflation rate that Biden has. How do you how do you justify calling him a disaster? I would love to answer if you would stop interrupting. Uh, listen, you got 15 seconds. Try to be cogent. Okay. Inflation is the lowest in the United States compared to any other developed country. What Donald about the Trump lowest with, to the previous administration? Donald, you said you were going to give me 15 seconds. Well, you got seven and a half. You start saying stupid things. Okay. I have to interrupt and ask questions, you, John. You remember Donald Trump tried to withhold aid to the Ukraine? Trying to yes. Get dirt on Hunter and it was Biden. a good idea. Yeah. He, Congress had already authorized the aid. So you think that the wars that Biden has allowed to start compared to zero wars under Trump, that that makes Trump a disaster and it makes Biden great? Biden did not start the war. Putin did. And who is Putin's best friend? Donald Trump. Uh, that's amazing logic. Did Putin, uh, his listen, best friend, did he? What, no, no, John, that's enough. Trump? Give your mouth a break and now open your ears. Did Putin, Mr. Trump's best friend, did he give, um, did he, was he doing a favor to Trump by saying, oh, I'm going to wait till you're not in office to go ahead and uh, invade Ukraine? Is that the case? Is that what yeah. you're suggesting? Donald Trump, Putin cannot hope anymore for Donald Trump to get back in there. And then he can for walk what? right in and take for over what? the he's, Ukraine. Look how good he's doing under Biden. Under Biden, he's been able to go into Ukraine and do whatever the hell he wants. And you Zelensky's know, having a free-for-all. Zelensky not. under Trump, he was saying, look, I need these javelin, I need this, I need that. And Trump was saying, no, 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 hold on, I'm not doing that until you do this. And under Biden, it's $100 billion. Has, so you tell me, Donald who Trump, likes who? Has, yeah, well, has Donald Trump ever criticized Putin about anything? What, what do I care if he's example. criticized Putin? Give me, you give, you give me what one do I care? What is Trump the purpose? What is the significance? Putin? Trump and Putin Should I sleep like better at hours. night? Should I feel better about myself if Trump criticizes Putin? I, I don't see the relevance of that. Yeah, you go from one Trump thing to the next. Every two, statement that I make, you're not able to, uh, you, you want to talk over me, and you don't have anything of value to bring to the conversation, John. Well, so well, You've so been well. on the phone for eight minutes. This is as long as a guest. If you'd written a national bestseller, this is how much time I'd give you. And now you hang up on me in frustration. Unbelievable. Anyway, I'm past my time for a commercial break, but I wanted to give him a chance to take his foot out of his mouth. He failed. I'll be right back. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. Valdez, who again will do a fine job, but I know you'll enjoy listening to it. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. We're going to go to Jane uh, in Saratoga, New York, WGDJ. Jane, go right ahead quickly. We're almost out of time. Okay, all I want to say is bravo. You are our hero. That oh. guy is a total moron, and you handled that so beautifully. Truthfully, oh, we you, need Jane. to get an award it. for you. <laughs> no, I'm trying to get an award. Okay. I, I, the only award I've got so far is the best head of hair in radio, late night radio, right? 
Six years in okay, a row. We'll, <laughs> we'll come up with something great because you handled that. I, I'm so happy the way you, you did it so beautifully, and that's well, good. Well, thank you. you. Just, thank you. It's very <laughs> so, kind of you. Now, Jane, what do you think of uh, Mitt, Mitt Romney, Mittens Romney, coming out saying uh, no need to investigate Biden? Oh, he's a traitor, I swear. That that <laughs> makes me so angry. Yeah. I mean, he's, what does he represent, really? He's always been one that sits on the fence and falls in a convenient place, you know, where the grass is cushy. So Yeah. Well, you know what they say, the grass isn't always greener on the other side. It's greener where you water it, and that takes a lot of hard work. Jane, thank you for the call. God bless you, sister. And folks... I see calls coming in from Idaho, from North Carolina, from Michigan, from all over the country. 833-482-5337, 833-4VALDEZ. Open Phone America starts right now. Get your calls in. It's going to be a good one tonight. Don't go anywhere. I'm Rich Valdez. that never sleeps 17 miles from madison square garden new york city it's america at night with rich valdez america's favorite late night talk program featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across america and now here is your host rich valdez Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. Our telephone number, if you want to join our late-night national town hall conversation, feel free, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. Welcome, 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 Monday night, hour number three. We like to call this hour Open Phone America. This is a tradition that goes back to as long as I was around, right? 40, uh, 45 years ago, Larry King started this show and um, he called this open phones across America. And we continue that just like Jim Bohannon did that for uh, three decades. And here we are continuing that tradition. And as we, um, you know, we're close to Christmas, right? We're, you know, two weeks away from Christmas, uh, uh, 11 months away from a big election, probably the most important election we've seen in a long time ever, probably. And and uh, there's lots of candidates out there that are making their rounds with you know, different types of uh, forums. And one of them is Vivek Ramaswamy. Now, Vivek Ramaswamy was doing a, uh, like a live stream chat with Elon Musk. And, well, apparently he had to go to the little boy's room and he had his microphone on. And this is always a fear of mine. Like when I go to Newsmax and stuff like that, I'm on TV, they leave you mic'd up and usually they turn it off. But sometimes if you do the weekends, um, there's not as many people there to remind you to turn it off. And sometimes I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'm going to the bathroom. Is everybody going to hear that? It's so funny. But, uh, yes, that is exactly what happened to Vivek Ramaswamy who, um, didn't hit the mute on his, uh, conference call on his microphone. And, um, uh, I guess all the thousands of people that were on this thing, heard him go to the bathroom. Listen to this. That's all I'm saying. Elon Musk is promoting an optimistic pro-human future that the science and evidence shows is real and that we need. Gentlemen, I have to go. Yeah, I, I just, I just want to be... 
<laughs> you could hear this, the real live stream in the background, <laughs> right? And of course, that was the voice of Alex Jones, uh, who was on with Andrew Tate and others on this um, on this chat with Elon Musk and Vivek Ramaswamy was there, <laughs> just uh, draining the lizard, if you will. And I thought that was pretty funny. Um, he had some comments on that. Go ahead. I'm super pro-human, and I mean all humans. Uh, you know, humans in America, humans in Somebody Africa, got your thing Asia, and everywhere else. Got your phone open in the bathroom. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Give a third cut. <laughs> I can't believe it. And uh, they wrapped up with this. Vivek, Vivek, that's, that's your phone, Vivek. I'm not able to mute you. Vivek. Uh, <laughs> Go ahead, Elon. Um, Sorry about that. So, um, <laughs> well, I hope you feel better. I feel great. Thank you. <laughs> Sorry about that, guys. <laughs> I feel great. Uh, listen, it was just a funny moment. Uh, but uh, th those are the things that we talk about, right? This is how we're starting the show, leading with my strengths here. Uh, I wanted to start off on a lighter note because I think there's just too much uh, divisiveness, divisiveness in um, in our our you know discussion of uh, the body politic overall. And um, you know, sometimes things get heated, but you got to bring it down because ultimately, in my opinion, I can't be addicted to anger, right? I can't live in this space where I wake and sleep with the feeling that my country's being ripped apart and there's nothing I can do about it. And all I can do is agonize over what once was. I cannot exist in that space. I have to exist in the space of what is to come, that there is a hope, that there is a future, that things do get better. Because otherwise, I'll lose whatever hair I have left and I don't have any hair. All right, let's go to the calls here. We've got calls from all over the place here. Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, Evergreen, Montana, Michigan, um, Boise, Idaho, Moorhead City, North Carolina, Pendleton, Oregon, Zanesville, Ohio. And I don't know where Brownsville is. Is that in Texas? Well, we'll find out where Liz is calling from. Um, but let's see here. Um, let's go there. Let's find out where Brownsville is. Let's go to caller number eight. Uh, Liz calling from Brownville. KMA. Hey, Rich, Matt. Hey, where, hey, what city are you in? Um, Brownville, Nebraska. Nebraska. Um, All right. Big shouts to Nebraska. Go right ahead, Liz. I like your, your lighter note. <laughs> uh, I just wanted to say, what was that last guy wanting you to play, Sweet Balls? A fire from Jerry Lee Lewis? Or would he prefer <laughs> Hell's Bells from ACDC? Because oh, that's I have their no own so-called financial advisor that plays Pink Floyd's money song as his backdrop doesn't even pay Pink Floyd anything to use their music. Oh, boy, I don't know anything about that. But I can tell you, uh, I know he made a reference to, to some of the old bumper music that Jimbo had, and we used plenty of it. I just know we weren't we weren't able to use all of it. I think the only parts of it that we don't, we don't have in rotation are or like the original theme song, which was the Jimbo Hannon Show theme song. So obviously we couldn't use that. Uh, but we definitely wanted to honor that. And we uh, we try to keep that that old school, you know, brass um, instrument, uh, classic type of talk radio sound, uh, even though it's a little bit of a new school flair uh, on the program. And it's just, uh, I mean, you obviously can't make everybody happy. But um, it was just interesting to, to hear the critique. And I take it. Listen, I get critique all over, all over the place. I'm happy to to hear it. Uh, it was just funny, right? To, to hear that. Liz, thank you for the call. Big shout out to Nebraska, by the way. And uh, let's continue with our calls. Let's go to Paul in Zanesville, Ohio. Paul, what's on your mind, brother? W-H-I-Z. 
Hey, yeah, um, I, I didn't hear that from uh, uh, Rajaswamy. How's his name pronounced there? But um, yeah, I almost fell off my chair, Riff. Yeah, you gave me a good belly laugh, man. And I hope you had a good time this weekend and in, uh, in down in Florida. And, oh, yeah. Um, I always rely on you for, yeah, for great weekly. My humor at the end of the evening is you and your show and oh, all the, man, thank you. the insights and so forth. Yeah, I just love it. But um, I, I do have something to say about, um, oh, what's his name? Romney, Mittens, Mitt Romney. Oh, yeah. Mittens Romney. Um, yes, of course. Yeah, well, calling, you know, Trump a dictator. Well, now, let me clarify that. What he said was the first two things he would do is shut down the border, and the second thing would be drill, baby, drill. You know, now, who in America is not right now thinking, man, doesn't that sound like a good thing right at this uh, particular time? And I'd like to hear about your uh, little vacation there, and I'd like your comments on my uh, comment. Uh, You got it. Well, Paul, thanks for the call and for your kind words. I appreciate that. So, yeah, the— Listen, I, I'm I'm with it. I, I I look at Trump very differently than most people, and I really remove him, right? I kind of look at what does Trump bring to the table, and do I like that? And that's really what I like. I like the idea that Trump came in and said, oh, no, 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 listen, we've got to roll back all these, these regulations from the EPA and from here and from there and stop making it so difficult for businesses to do what they're doing. While, of course, the left is going to criticize you and say, oh, he's there. He's helping his billionaire pals to make more money. Listen. I don't know anybody who's ever gotten a job from somebody who wasn't rich, right? Rich people create things. And um, I've always wanted to be, this is part of the reason I became a Republican was because when I was a little kid, uh, I remember somebody asked me, are you a Democrat or a Republican? And I was like, I don't know. And I think I might've said Republican just because I didn't know the difference. I was little, like eight and um, maybe nine. And they said, no, 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 listen, kid, always remember. Republicans are for the rich, but Democrats are for the poor. And I was like, got it. I, I am poor. <laughs> My family's poor. I already tried that. That doesn't work. Um, so if Republicans are for the rich, I think I'm going to be a Republican because I want to be rich. And, and it was that simple for me. And I, I saw it that way my whole life. And, um, and again, I, I'm not a big defender of Republicans today. Uh, conservatives, yes. Republicans, not so much. I think they're equally as guilty as everybody else. But um, ultimately, that, that, that's what, what happens there. I think Trump's policies make a lot of sense. And, and it, when he's able to put them into play is when we're going to really have the type of success we need to have. Now there's a lot of damage control. Uh, and I think everybody sees it. It's clear as day that we need somebody who can bring us back to where he left us. <laughs> and it's just crazy that we're trying to go back to where we were pre-COVID. Um, there we are. Uh, so that's that part. The other part, uh, my, my trip, yes, I, I spent the weekend in, in Palm Beach, Florida. That was fantastic. The um, uh, Charlie Kirk, who's been on this program, had a uh, his winter gala, Turning Point USA gala at Mar-a-Lago. And um, they were gracious enough to, to invite me, and I went, and it was fantastic. I went with my buddy, Mr. Producer from the Mark Levin Show, and uh, who's, uh, who's a dear friend of mine. He's like a brother from another and we um, we had a great time in, in Palm Beach. I have uh, my tans like three degrees darker now. I, I really enjoyed myself. And it, it's always a pleasure to be there and uh, just to, to hang out with a lot of cool people. One of the people I was talking to was uh, Ambassador um, Lee Rizzuto, former ambassador to Bermuda. And some amazing stories he was telling me. And I said, listen, you've got to come on the show. And I think he's going to come on maybe this week or next to share some of those stories and give us some insight on what's going on geopolitically around the world as well. 
but um, lots of great people that that I had good conversations with, and um, just a really, really good weekend overall. So, Paul, thank you for asking. I appreciate that. And a uh, big shout-out to you and yours in WHIZ land in Ohio. Folks, we're coming right back with the rest of your calls and more. Don't move a muscle. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Well, Mr. Valdez, you have one of the greatest shows that radio's ever had. America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back, familia. We continue, amigos, on our uh, journey across the country. We're going to go to, let's see, we're, we've got calls from Pittsburgh, Montana, uh, Michigan, Idaho, North Carolina, Oregon, uh, Pittsburgh again, Delaware, and Chicago. Uh, all we need is California to chime in, and uh, we're really uh, we're going cross country here. Uh, we're going to get to everybody tonight, so let us uh, let's go to um, where did I want to go here? I had somebody that was scheduled to be next. It was going to be Mike from Pittsburgh on KDKA. Mike, go right ahead. You're on with Rich Valdez. <clears throat> Hi, um, there was a man who's deceased now, but he ran for president three times, and uh, he used to refer. To the uh, after his experiences, he was a World War II veteran, but he got out and started looking at the United States of America and got educated, taught himself a lot of things. And um, <clears throat> he used to refer to the Democrat Party as the Communist Party and the uh, Republican Party as the soft socialist Nazi Party or the country club elitist parties. Um, and anything you see on TV, agenda news. Uh, mainstream news, you know that it's the Ministry of Truth uh, from George Orwell's 1984. They're not telling you the, the truth. My grandfather, when I was a kid, he used to refer to the TV set as television, and I used to laugh about it. And now, even though my grandfather's gone, I believe he was 100% right. It's television. Um, anything you see on TV has an agenda, uh, including the news, the local news. So or the, the national and international news. It's, it's, it's agenda. You're not getting any information that is uh, unvarnished or correct uh, without some type of political bias to it. Um, and Mitt Romney is a perfect example. Uh, where was he when the news media was destroying Trump and his reputation and a bunch of people around him, anybody that was conservative or actually trying to do anything for this country, um, they they dusted off Russia conspiracy or Russia uh, collusion conspiracies and everything else. Uh, they had uh, women coming out of the woodwork saying that you know Donald Trump was a womanizer and everything else. And I'm not, believe it or not, I'm not 100% for Donald Trump. Um, I believe he was a much, much better president than I've had in my lifetime than any other president I've had in my lifetime. However, I think that President Trump could have did a better job, and you know, and I, I wasn't 100 percent on board with everything he did. Right. Yeah. Where was I'm sorry, go ahead. on his high horse with mm -hmm. all of his morals and all of his law and order and all of his uh, concern for uh, for uh, 
the welfare of the nation and the the uh, law and order and the welfare and the procedures for the presidency of the United States when the news media was destroying Trump. Right. And vis-a-vis destroying the office in, in and of itself. Well, Mike, I, I think you, you bring up a number of really good points. Uh, and I think you're right uh, on, on a lot of them. The, the, the political parties are not saviors of anybody's, right? They, they just happen to be two political parties. And, and the same way I, I mentioned earlier, I can't be addicted to anger forever. I also can't um, subscribe to all of these grandiose ideas like, you know, the problem in America is the two-party system. No, uh, listen, that's the one we've got. You know, um, it's kind of like saying, no, the problem with humanity is that we we have to poop every day. Well, we have to poop every day. Now, look, can we change the two-party system? I would suppose we can, but it's been, uh, you know, a quarter century and we haven't. So, uh, I mean, a quarter century, a quarter a millennia, right? Or whatever it was, 250 years, whatever that is. And um, it hasn't happened yet. So I think it's safe to say that we're likely never going to have a third party. I mean, maybe it will happen. Maybe the Green Party will blow up one day. I don't think so. I think we're seeing the climate uh, agenda folks take over the Democrat Party in many ways, or at least trying to. Uh, we've seen socialists trying to take over the Democrat Party. We've seen uh, this uh, convergence of socialist climate people that are taking over the party. So there's there's a reason for me to believe that I think we'll always have a two-party system. And I'm not going to rail against uh, the, the, that being the problem. And I say all of that to say that I, I think you're right. When, when you have senators that are going to be disingenuous and say, you know, this is what's wrong with, with Trump and he's wrong for America and this, that and the other, um, nobody's perfect. And I think the idea that we're looking or going to find or achieve some sort of perfection is a very flawed construct. I think what we need to do is at least what I've always done, and I think it works, um, at least it works for me, is to find a candidate that best matches up with what I believe. And not what's best for me or for my family, believe it or not, but just what I believe, right? So I believe that if if I have to take a, for example, Trump's first term, his first term would have, his tax plan would have cost me more money, right? When Trump ran in, in 20, um, whatever it was, 2016. However, uh, in reviewing the plan, I realized that while it, me specifically in my financial situation uh, was going to cost me more money, it was also going to benefit way more people than just me paying a little bit more. And I, I thought to myself, that's a good thing. That's going to allow a lot of people, you know, it's not a handout, but it's a hand up. And that's what we need in America is to give people who are trying to be forward thinking, upwardly mobile, trying to move to the next step in life, um, saving up while they're renting a small apartment so they can buy themselves their first house. We, we need to support those people in their pursuit of the American dream by giving them not the money, just not beating them over the head and taking their money. And I think that's not a lot to ask for. Um, and I, I, I never support uh, increases in taxes. I would love a, a flat tax that, you know, everybody pays their legitimate fair share, <laughs> uh, which is tied to a percentage. Yeah, punto, final, period, the end. That's it. But we don't have that. Now, with respect to the media, you're right. There's always an agenda. But locally, uh, where I am, there's Channel 12, right? And they have an agenda, too. And the agenda for News 12 is local, to give you local feel-good um, stories. And they give you some hard news and whatever. And many people think, well, local news is the only place where you can get you know, non-biased news. I would disagree. And I would say it's not that it's non-biased. It's that they intentionally, that is their agenda. 
their agenda is to do it that way. So I would say so many of the national um, networks could um, take a page from their local counterparts in trying to be more fact-based and less opinionated when it comes to those things. But I doubt it because their agenda is a different one. Mike in Pittsburgh, thanks for the call. Big shout out to KDKA. Folks, we continue with the rest of your calls and more. 833-482-5337. 833-4VALDEZ. Don't go anywhere. We're coming right back. It's Open Phone America with Rich Valdez. America. Welcome back. We got a full call board. If you're calling in right now and you hear a busy signal, just try again. We're uh, filtering right through the calls. We're going to go right now to, let's see, Matt near Moorhead City, North Carolina, WTKF. Matt, go right ahead. Hello, Rich. I wanted to comment that I agree with Jane from Saratoga, New York earlier. Yeah. That That caller about 1145 Eastern it was a total waste of your time. How dare he call a national radio show, number one. And number two, Trump was excellent for this country. I'm vice president of a board's company. And if the president of the company cared about personality, I wouldn't have a job. What's your opinion? <laughs> yeah, well, thank you. Uh, I think that's kind of you. Listen, I always tell people, as he alluded to in the call, uh, and I, I appreciate John calling in. I hope he calls in again. Um my my philosophy in, in this world of talk radio is if you disagree, I would like to speak with you before anybody else, because it makes, uh, I think, for for good conversation. Um, I think that conversation just showed us that it was coming from a position of of hate. Right. He could say mine's coming from a position of fanfare where it's uh, being sycophantic about policies or people. Um, but it's not right. I think there's ultimately truth in 1.25, 1.4% inflation. That was real. That's not real today. So these are things that I think we, these are good discussions to have. Um, some people want to have them. Some people don't. Some people want to dance around the issues. And uh, sometimes I like to dance, sometimes not. But I thank you, Matt, for your compliment. I appreciate it. And you're right. We can't, uh, what's the word I'm thinking of? You don't get to pick and choose everything in life, right? You don't get to say, hey, you know, like you said, <clears throat> you're the vice president of a barge company and you, you can't sit there and pick out who's going to be the president of the company, right? He's your boss. If he's a jerk, he's your boss. If he's a nice guy, he's your boss. If he's a nice guy having a jerk kind of day, he's your boss. <laughs> and, that, and that's the bottom line. Now, we do get to pick who's going to be president, but are we going to do it based on what we've always done? I think if anything, we've learned a lesson, hopefully, in this country that voting for the guy that you like, that sounds really good, that tickles your ear, isn't always good for your country. We learned it, I think, in 2008, again in 2012, again in 2020. Uh, when, when is enough enough? Uh, I hope we're at that place where enough is enough. And it doesn't matter how nice you sound. If you're saying something that's stupid, I'm not interested. And I think that's where we are, hopefully. I hope that's where we are as a nation. We'll see. But anyway, Matt, 
Moorhead City, North Carolina. Thank you for the call, brother. I always appreciate you. Uh, let us continue. Let's go to line eight. Chuck from Greenwood, South Carolina, WCRS. Go right ahead, Chuck. You're on with Rich Valdez. Yes, I just wanted to thank you very much for what you said a little while ago about the Republican Party being mm-hmm. the party of the rich. And that is true. They are the party of the rich, for the rich, by the rich. And anyone who does not fit into that category, which is I know you do because I've seen here on Google where you're 22.5 million I saw a little while ago on my phone. And so that's definitely the party you need to belong to. But to all the poor fools out there that don't fit into that category, that vote Republican, they're just cutting their own throats. And that's what well, I, what do you I think about? Well, don't go much. anywhere, Chuck. Thanks. Um, and here's the thing. Listen, I, I'm a kid that born in Brooklyn, New York. My parents came from Puerto Rico. Um, not a whole lot to their name. Didn't own any property. And um, each of us, and there's there's eight of, you know, my, eight siblings uh, all together. We, um, we, we all were able to make it one way or another to pursue the American dream. And it, to me, it's not about politics, right? It's about one's work ethic. But I think it's it's a it's a mistake to think that one party versus another um, is good or bad. I think, like I said, you got to just see which ones align best with one's values. And for me, I know in my heart of hearts, I'm I, I don't think I really ever really support abortion. So that was always a thing for me early on as a young man and as a young dad. And two, um Republicans spend money like drunken sailors, just like Democrats do, or maybe a little less than Democrats do, but they're also willing to put in tax cuts. Now, if these tax cuts, now the Democrats will say that the tax cuts solely benefit the rich, the ultra wealthy, which Democrats consider ultra wealthy more than 400 K per year. Now, I don't really care to put um, labels on things. I really think the bottom line is which one of these parties puts together policies that allows someone that was born like I was an apartment that had rodents and roaches to live a little bit better in life. And I can tell you, there's nothing that Chuck Schumer's ever done that would help me amass any wealth. There's nothing that AOC has done that would allow me or anyone in my family to amass wealth, to do better to go from being a Democrat to a Republican, if you, to use the analogy you made, right? So I, I don't see if, if you, if you, for many people to be a Democrat and vote for Democrats means to stay on this plantation of sorts, where if you live in public housing, you're going to stay in public housing. Maybe you'll get a nicer, cleaner apartment, maybe, but ultimately no, right? It just doesn't happen. So I think if there's a party out there that says, Hey, look, we're looking out for the rich guys then it might be in your best interest to become one of the rich guys because life is a lot better when you're rich than when you're poor. No? What do you think, Chuck? Mm-hmm. I think that's a fallacy, and I think that it's a very clear line. If you're rich, vote Republican. If you're anything other than that, vote Democrat. That's the way my family has voted for generations, both sides, and that's the way I'll continue to vote. You have a very interesting show. And I see that you're rich, and I'm just glad that you told the truth because the Republican Party is the party of the rich. And they put out a lot of smoke screens here lately like they're the party of the working man, and nothing can be. Donald, Donald Trump has epitomized what the Republican Party is. Well, and who they and look again, out for. I agree with you. I think he has. I think Donald Trump is, is uh, 
you're right. He has epitomized. He's a billionaire investor. And I know that's where you're getting at, a little tongue-in-cheek there. Uh, but when you go to a Trump rally, you see 15 or 20,000 people that are plumbers, that are blue-collar people. Some are stay-at-home moms that are married to, to men that identify as men that are out there driving trucks, pushing a dump truck, doing what they have to do, working as an electrician, doing whatever it is they do, cops, firefighters, all sorts of people, politicians, you name it, radio hosts. And ultimately, I think the Republican Party has de facto become the party of the working man, not because they tried to do it, just because the Democrats have abandoned the working man. They've abandoned the working class citizen in this country putting so much focus on expanding the lowest rung on the ladder, trying to expand Medicare, expand Medicaid. Why? Because they want government to be the solution to everyone's problem. So if you make everybody qualify for um, Medicaid, if you make everybody qualify for food stamps, then it's easier to give these benefits out to people. But in effect, what you're doing is you're just creating poverty across the board and raising the bar for what qualifies as, or I guess lowering the bar for what qualifies as, as poverty and making it easier and easier for more Americans to enter poverty and less Americans to ever become wealthy. Now I'm not a wealthy man. I don't know where you get all your info, but I can tell you I've I've done, I've done better in life than I expected to do. And it's not because of, of one politician versus another. I think it has a lot to do with God has a lot to do with one's work ethic and your choices. But ultimately, when you look at one party versus the other, uh, absolutely, the Democrats are the party of the poor, and they will keep you poor. If you want to be poor and stay poor, Democrats are the best option. You want to expand the base of poor voters, Democrats are the option. And if you want to have a shot at becoming rich, if you want to have a shot at rich people doing better so they can do what rich people do, open more companies, put more money into the economy and do more, create more rich people, then go with them. At its simplest form, that was what I understood when I was eight or nine years old, and it's still the case today. Chuck from Greenwood, South Carolina, I thank you for your call. I appreciate your comments. Folks, we continue with the rest of your calls and more straight ahead. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. So glad to be on your show, Rich. It's just an amazing broadcast that I hope the rest of America listens to every day. America at Night with Rich Valdez. So NBC News has a piece out that says why Americans are going hungry despite a strong economy. With unemployment low and wages rising, the struggle for basic necessities like food should be easing. But those on the front lines of feeding the hungry say they're seeing the exact opposite. Uh, for the past year, one food bank has been working uh, 12-hour shifts overnight as a uh, in particular a woman named Jennifer Estrada as a production supervisor at a uh, Wisconsin aluminum plant making, you know, minimum wage, less than minimum wage. Um, 
but they need to in order to make rent. And there's a lot of people that are doing the same exact thing because those on the front lines of feeding the hungry say that they're seeing uh, a trend where it's increasing. People, more people are in need. There's a growing number of Americans have been seeking out help from food banks and government food programs over the past year amid a perfect storm of persistently rising costs and shrinking programs to help households cope with these growing expenses. Uh, and that's, again, uh, NBC News here. And it makes me think, this is what I see, too. It's exactly what I hear. Everybody's complaining. So what is the deal? I don't know. You tell me. Let's go to the calls. 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. Let's go to Hope in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Hope calling from KDKA country. Welcome. You're on with Rich Valdez. Good evening. How Hi. are you? I'm wonderful. Sorry Thank for you. my voice tonight, but um, and with the flu. But oh, I, well, you know, I, I had a better. chance to, you know, listen to listen to you, and I just want to, you know, just express my um, concern about the economy. And I often tell this on KDKA that this is economics 101. Seventy percent of our economy in the United States is based on consumers. Mm-hmm. And I understand Democratic, this is their strategy all along, is to get the money down to the the lower class that we can build up and build out. Now, let me tell you how that works. You get the money down to, to that group of people um, through loan forgiveness. You, you do it like Biden is doing and first of all, his strategy in every Democratic Party administration that has been in there has done the same thing or tried. But what's happening is the Republican Party thinks that this economy is going to grow from the top down. Nothing grows from the top down. It grows from the bottom up. Yeah, that makes right sense, now, Hope. Let me ask was, you something. Which Republican is saying that the economy grows from the top. Well, anytime they talk about capitalism. Well, just tell me which and Republican talk, and what they said. Well, the whole party, because they just give me one it. name, just one name. You don't need to give me three names. Just give me one name, Hope, well, and what they said. The that you had in there, McCarthy, I can give you an example. But what they're doing is. What did Speaker McCarthy blocking. say about starting the economy at the top? Well, Okay, so maybe he didn't say up the top. All right, so which Republican said we're going to build the the economy from the top? They that's their strategy. Whenever they, I I understand you're saying that. I've never heard that in my life. Can you tell me? Can you give me one example of one just one single name of a Republican that said we're going to build it from the top? Look, that's that's neither here or there. No, it's here and there because you just brought it up. You just came on the radio in front of five million people that are listening to you. And you said Republican strategy is to build the economy from the top. And now I'm asking you where you got that information and how you can prove it and back up what you're saying. And you don't have an answer. I can back it up. I can back it up. The Go whole ahead. entire Republican House Party has okay, denied. Just give me one the, name. Listen, one name. What the did they say? Those the 70 percent. If you're look, if you own a business. And 70% is bringing in the money. You're going to take care of that 70%. I'm, I'm not following what you're saying. I'm still trying to figure out which Republican said we build the economy from the top. Why is 
that important? You you can look it up and find out. That no, I don't need to look it up because I know it's not part. true. You're coming on the show. You're saying things that are not accurate, and and I'm asking you to support what you just said, and you're not able to do it. Now you want to gloss over it like it didn't happen, like you didn't say it. If you made a mistake, then say, sorry, Rich, I made a mistake. What I said was not true. Okay. Are you prepared East to do that? Palestine, Ohio. Forget about Palestine. Let's talk you, about going, your okay. statement, Hope. No, Hope. I want to give you a chance. East I'm trying Palestine, to be fair. Ohio. Hold on a second, Hope. Let's, let's be fair and respectful of one another. You came on the show and you made a statement. The statement isn't true. I asked you to support it, and you're trying to switch the subject. Can you admit that you were wrong and that there's no Republican that said the economy starts at the top? Well, they operate from the top down. Who? Who's operating? Haven't Which Republican? Seen? I mean, why do I I've have never to seen be such a thing. on this? Well, do you, when you're the you one that said it, not me. If I said to... Democrats are doing X, Y, and Z, and you didn't think it was right, you should say, where did you hear that? But you're saying that Republicans are starting the economy from the top. Everybody knows that the backbone of the American economy is small business owners, men and women that own bodegas, hair salons, small businesses. That is how... Our economy works. You just said it yourself. 70% are consumer goods. So if we all know that the economy starts on Main Street, and I, every Republican I know knows that as a fact, that's why we try to cut taxes back so that people can earn their own money and keep their money. So this idea that you're saying that there's Republicans saying the economy starts at the top and that the government should be giving poor people money so that they can grow, that is an idea that was modeled and championed by Fidel Castro in Cuba. He said, we're going to start at the bottom. We're going to help people with government money. The government doesn't own any money. The government takes money from people that work, from people that have businesses. And it takes that money to, that, from those people and gives it to people that don't work, right? That's called a wealth transfer. That's the, the basic principle of communism. So from what I hear you saying is that communism is the way to help poor people. And then you're, you're, you're misstating the truth. And you're saying that Republicans are saying the economy starts at the top which I've never heard and I've never seen. So help me understand, Hope. Okay. First of all, when you give billionaires tax credits, that money does not trickle down to small businesses and beyond. Who says it does? Who gives out the jobs? But, but I'm saying and who's saying that it's is, trickling this down? A, this is an example. Our inflation is second... <laughs> I'm trying hard here, the Hope. Lowest in the Hope, I'm trying hard. What, Who I'm trying is to saying, let you know what the economy is doing No, you're right trying to now. make a point, but every point you're making doesn't make sense. I'm going to give you a chance. We'll put you on hold for a second. We'll take a break. Get it together. We'll come right back. Don't go anywhere. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. We're going right back to Hope, KDKA, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Hope, you said that for for as long as you know, Democrats have tried to build from the bottom out by by giving poor people money from the government, and that, that has never worked, right? People. What did you say? I did not say anything about poor people. What I did you say? It has to come down. We have such a big, wide range between a rich, middle class, has now come down to poor. I did not say about poor people. You, there's several ways you can get that money down. All right, well, you got 30 seconds. That need it. 
Okay, so 30 seconds. Look, our inflation is the lowest in this whole world next to Canada. Our GDP, that's what economy is. That's what our economy is based on. Your economy is based on your gross domestic project, and you know we are up there. Well, yeah, we know we've had a good our GDP. It's being decreased. Look, Trump. Our debt is not being decreased. Hope, I'd love to talk to you for hours uh, because I think you're just getting some bad information. But ultimately, the economy doesn't start at the top. Republicans have never said that. And we can't give money to poor people or the people at the bottom. People have to earn that money. And we have to give them a chance to be able to earn that money. My apologies to every other caller that did not get on tonight. I hope you call back tomorrow. Hasta la próxima. Until the next time, take care, good night, and God bless you, America. I'm Rich Valdez. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.